Welcome to Wednesday Night Worship at First Baptist. Tonight's speaker is Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Let's pray together. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for this opportunity to worship you. And now, Lord, as we turn to your word, we pray that by your word and by your spirit, you would speak to our hearts. Lord, help us to be transformed from the inside out so that we might be more like Jesus. For it's in his precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Well, tonight, as we continue on our journey through faith stories, as told in Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of faith, once again, we return to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. I want to read that verse for us, and then we will zero in on the great character, the great figure in our faith that we'll study tonight. The author of Hebrews writes, as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, saying this, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, and the prophets. Hebrews eleven thirty two. Well, tonight we are going to focus on David. And it is a difficult task to focus in on just one aspect of David's life. And so I thought, what is it about David that regardless of his stage of life, whether he is the shepherd or he is the one who has been anointed king over Israel or he is the one who is facing down Goliath, who is defying the armies of the living God, or he is the one who is slaying the enemies of God or reigning over Israel, who is David? Well, overwhelmingly, he is a man after God's own heart. What we're going to see today is that the best you and I can do is to look at the outward appearance. But God does more than that. He knows us better than the facade that we might put on. No, He knows our hearts. And so today, we're going to look at the life of a man who was known as a man after God's own heart. You remember that David was the second king over Israel. The first king over Israel was Saul. And the reason that Israel had a king in the first place is because, well, God's people had what I like to call their middle school moment where they had to have what everybody else had. And they told Samuel, who we'll talk about next week, they told Samuel that they wanted to have a king over them just like all the other nations who would go out and lead them into battle and who would be for them their champion. Well, God had been their king. God had been the one to go before them. God had been their champion. But God gave them what they wanted. And quite frankly, sometimes God judges us by giving us exactly what we want. How many of you have found that we don't even know what we need to want? Well, God gave the people a king. Saul reigned over the people, and basically his qualifications for the job were that he was tall, dark, and handsome. He looked the part. He stood taller than everybody else. He was handsome. He looked like the champion that the people of God wanted. But they found what so often we find. Just because somebody looks the part doesn't mean that they are the ones that God has ordained for that part. And very quickly, Saul... Uh, surrendered his kingdom because he did things that were over and against the will of Almighty God. So God was going to take away his spirit from Saul, and God was eventually going to take away the kingdom from Saul. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we get the account of God speaking to Samuel, who will be charged to go and anoint the next king 
over Israel. So let me give you these words from 1 Samuel chapter 16. These are verses 1 through 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. This account of David being anointed as the next king over Israel teaches us a lot of things. There are several principles that we grasp from this story. The first is this. Apparently, you don't, in fact, have to be in the right place at the right time for God to use you. you know, so often we think that, that we have to make it happen. We have to be in the right place at the right time for God to use us in God's way. And the truth is, no, God is able to get us where He wants us to be in His time. Jesse did not invite his youngest son to the king anointing festivities because Jesse knew that it wouldn't be David. David would not be the one who would be anointed the king. All the older boys, well, they looked the part. They had the experience that would be needed. David could go and he could keep an eye on the livestock while the older boys participated in the festivities. But God had his hand on David, and God knew David's heart. God also knew the other boys' hearts. And so God chose to pass by them in favor of David. So you don't have to be in the right place at the right time for God to use you. Secondly, we see that you do not, in fact, have to fit people's expectations to be powerfully used by God. You know, nobody could have guessed that David would be the one that God would have used. And similarly, throughout the Bible, even as we look at Hebrews 11 in the Great Hall of Faith, 
So many people who were there would never have been guessed or chosen by their contemporaries to be those who would be used mightily in the hands of God. Or think about Saul of Tarsus, who would become the Apostle Paul. No one would have guessed that a religious terrorist who was out breathing murderous threats against God's people would become the one who would be the mouthpiece for Christianity all into the Western world. You never know who God's going to use. Again, because He looks on the heart. The best we can do is look on the outward appearance, and people can fool us. But God, He can never be fooled. Thirdly, we see that you do not, in fact, have to come from extravagance to serve God. David was just out tending the sheep. He was just out taking care of the livestock. We We will learn as we look at David's story that he had to fight off predators who were coming to take his daddy's sheep, and he served faithfully where he was. The Bible says not to look down upon the times of small things, and it might feel right now that whatever God has you doing is a small thing. But if you will be faithful with what you're doing now, the Bible says you will be entrusted with more, more responsibility, more to take care of and to steward for Almighty God. And finally, we see that we must be faithful in the little things. God will bring us bigger things whenever He's ready. You know, I'm learning in life that some of the things that I deem to be little things They really are the big things that matter the most. When I think about the people who have so deeply impacted my life, it's not the people who have done grand and extravagant things. It's it's the people who've been kind, the people who've had an encouraging word, the people who've lived out their faith before me, and God used their story to inspire me. And so I just wonder, if you feel like God is not using you in big ways, I just wonder how God might be using you to impact the world for His kingdom in ways you can't even imagine right now. Did you know that there are very likely people who see Jesus in you and who are drawn to Jesus because of the witness that you give off as you trust and follow Him? So don't despise what seem to be small things to you. You never know what God is doing with those small things. When God was taking away the kingdom from Saul in 1 Samuel 13, 14. He said, But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Saul looked the part, but he was not a man after God's own heart. David didn't look the part, but he was a man after God's own heart. Where's your heart? today. Remember, we can all fool each other, but we can never fool God. And so our prayer is that God would transform us from the inside out to give us clean hearts and to allow our clean hearts to give us clean hands so that our good deeds may be seen by all and they may give glory to our Father who's in heaven. Would you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful that you see beyond the surface. And while that can be intimidating, It's also very reassuring because, Lord, you know everything there is to know about us and you love us anyway. You love us so much that you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus, to come and rescue us that through him we might have forgiveness of sin, everlasting life, and most importantly, an intimate relationship with you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would continue to transform us from the inside out 
Lord, that we would be more like Jesus and that the things that we do in the power of your Holy Spirit, our good deeds would cause others to glorify you, our Father in heaven. And before we bring this service to a close, yet again, we join together our hearts and our minds and our voices to pray that prayer that our Lord Jesus taught us to pray. And in so doing, we'll answer the question, Whose Father? Our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to worship with us tonight. We hope you'll join us this Sunday at 11 a.m. as we gather to lift high the name of Jesus. God bless you.